Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Light Body Healing Radio Channel. This is your host, Dr. Lara May, and today I'm here with Kate Brastak. And Kate is a motivational speaker, author of two international best-selling books, Ignite Possibilities and Ignite the Hunger in You. For the past decade, Kate has been a Canadian mental health professional. She has a certificate in Canadian social services, grief therapy, suicide prevention, neuro-linguistic programming, ABA, shamanism, and is also a Reiki master. She is the CEO of Sacred Roots Coaching, she has been passionate in helping end suicide and mental health, and her passion really is to help trauma survivors to find their voice, become resilient, and reach the power to, of forgiveness for themselves. She is a powerful role model and has found forgiveness for the murders that took her entire family at age 13, and she has developed and now teaches effortless processes that allow individuals to forgive and fall in love with themselves all over again. In addition, Kate has a wealth of knowledge and expertise working with children, youth, and adults alike who have various degrees of disabilities, depression, anxiety, autism, and PTSD. Her gift is to help orphans and trauma survivors find their voice, overcome their fears, and live their best life. She has been featured on Ticker New and I don't know how to pronounce that last one TV. Kojiko. <laughs> Kojigo TV. Awesome. Welcome, Kate. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So to get started, would you mind just telling us about your story and how you came to be this, to be so passionate about this work that you do? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, well, I was once uh, a young girl who actually had quite a traumatic childhood, but then uh, the whole gamut of my life changed after my mother uh, and brother and uh, two missionaries and my best friends uh, left to uh, rescue their vehicle that had been uh, shut down um, while it had basically uh, stopped working. And they were on a journey into Canada from the States to do a service because they were missionaries. And my mother was uh, really eager to help them out. And so in the intern of them coming to our house, my grandmother's house to have a service, uh, we got really close over the years. And um, lo and behold, they had to go back after they did the series of services. And uh, I knew there was a sixth sense in me as a little girl, I always had just a sense of knowing, I guess they call it uh, listening to our intuition now. Uh, it's more appreciated as that. But back then, I believe it was more of a sixth sense that I just knew I had an awakening when I came out of my sleep that something wasn't right, something was going to happen. And I tried to stop my mother from leaving. I just knew uh, there was a premonition, I guess is the word I'm looking for, that um, that would be the last time I would see her. And sure enough, uh, within not even an hour and a half after, we had the news on the radio that um, indeed um, there was a, a motor vehicle accident and uh, the driver that killed them had fallen asleep behind the wheel. And um, yeah, they were killed instantly and took out a whole entire bridge. And we found out actually before the police came to us. So this being said, at 13, just four days after my 13th birthday, I basically shut down because I thought, well, my mother didn't listen to me that day. And even as a child, my mother taught me 
to be in the background. I was not to be seen and not to be heard. I was just to obey. And uh, so after that day, I basically went through a journey of working through my frustration and or anger, if you want to call it for a lack of better words, at God that why did my mom not listen? Why did this have to happen? But there was a whole turbulent uh, feeling within me that what do I do with my voice, with my grandmother having been in a fragile medical situation? Uh, I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what I was going to do um, or how I was going to survive. So I basically um, went on autopilot for a long time uh, to finish my schooling. That being said, when I did that, I didn't have anywhere to go. So my mother, my grandmother had died just, uh, well, not even a month later before Christmas. And it left me totally alone. And thankfully, I had the church uh, there for me. And they kind of took me under their wing. But that wasn't the easiest road either. Um, yeah, so I learned to uh, go on a journey. I went to Bible college right after that uh, because I did graduate high school and I went on to Bible college because I thought I'd live in the legacy of my mother being a missionary. But uh, in that, I realized that I needed to heal. The dean of the college asked me to uh, discuss with him what was going on. And uh, I was only 17. And by that point, I had, you know, decided that what do I need to do with my life? And he basically gave me permission because I knew I needed to take care of my health because I was bulimic and it was getting really out of control. And that was how it manifested. Me not using my voice, mm -hmm. shoving everything down, um, like just going on autopilot, working, being, like just keeping my grades above, you know, and I did do well. I, I was a perfectionist, so I did do well in school. But uh, yeah, I just kept my voice silent. And even it was hard to talk to the dean what was really going on. But it was my my roommate that had disclosed that I was really struggling with the bulimia. And uh, that is when I decided to take back my power and speak my truth and um, get help, reach out for help. So um, that was my journey to start using my voice. And uh, that's why then... In my journey of healing from the trauma and everything, I decided that, wow, there's some power here that I have left in me to be able to give back because my mother taught me as a little girl to always give back. We always gave to the needy. We always helped out people in less situations. And uh, even though she was only a single mother, uh, we just always did for other people. So that's what I became. And, and uh, a social service worker, I went into school to study that because I believed that was the best field for me to go into. Wow. Wow. I mean, what a lot to deal with as such a young person. Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, your story is is not unusual for many, many young people um, that have gone through something traumatic impactful, hard, hurtful, all of those things. So how did you, um, I guess what I want to sort of go into is how do we, how do we reach out to those that um, maybe want help, know they need help, know they're struggling, mm -hmm. but are still on that? Because I feel like there's, you know, the, that part of us in our human journey that we've been hurt, we've been traumatized, and, and we do shut down. And so is there a way that we can 
I don't know, um, get to the help faster? <laughs> yeah, see, that's what, uh, realize first, uh, get out of denial. That was my biggest thing is that uh, even as a little girl, I, I didn't know how to voice because I wasn't taught as a young girl. But excuse me, as I got older and realized that I could reach out for help and ask for help, uh, but I had to trust myself first. And I think that's the, the biggest lesson here that I want to tell your listeners is trusting mm. yourself that what you feel is valid and how you need to deal with it is up to you. Like it's your life. It's not somebody else to dictate to you. Mm -hmm. And being uh, like an orphan and, and so young, I had to trust people around me. And when even the church didn't really... Uh, <laughs> side with me. Um, they basically left me on my own. So I realized I had to find people that I trusted to navigate my world and to help me become resourceful. And what I didn't do over the years is that I realized now looking back, I was resourceful all along because I pulled in exactly what I needed when I needed it. But when you're really at that point that you don't feel like you can reach out, there's always ways, especially now with the internet uh, so accessible, mm -hmm. like there's um, uh, there's the Better Health app. There are so many different uh, uh, crisis lines on on the computer that you can access. Uh, we can maybe share some too, the hotline numbers. Absolutely. Yeah, the um, your friends, obviously, but I would say, first and foremost, everyone should have a safety plan. And in that safety plan, you outline the people you're closest to. So in case there was something to happen, then people have that readily available uh, that they know who to contact for you if you're not able to call yourself. I believe that that's a, a handy resource to have. But I believe when you're kind of in that depression, that dark tunnel, like I, I'd like to say uh, I was at one point because I had to go through the dark night of the soul as well to heal. And in that it's, it's uh, you know, it's a turbulent road. But if you have the resources and support that you can reach out to of counseling and trauma intervention, it really helps your doctor hopefully it can network you. But if you can't, there's there's crisis lines uh, everywhere that um, you can reach out to. But I truly started journaling first and foremost. Uh, and that really helped to get my emotions out because they weren't validated in person all the time. So writing really was cathartic. So I could read back my own writing and uh, also trusted a friend. Uh, a friend was really a very close friend. It doesn't have to be very many friends, but as long as you have one good friend that you can rely on. And she was like my liaison. Like she, she helped me and knew when I wasn't able to speak that there was something going on. And so, uh, yeah, trusting, trusting yourself and trusting the person that you really depend on, I guess, as a friend or network of support. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think I think that self trust, is, you're right, is so uh, important, but so it can be so challenging, especially when um, everything that you know, has fallen out from under you, and or you know, you've lost your support, you're literally your family that is that was has been with you from day one. And or maybe they just betray you over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And you're sort of conditioned to not trust yourself and not trust your intuition. And so yes, I would encourage everyone out there to to remember that um, you are your own best ally and and 
and judge and discernment. So it, I, I don't, I like to talk about judgment detoxes and I, and I got that inspiration from Gabby Bernstein, but there is, you know, discernment, which is healthy. And that is being able to tell the difference of, you know, sort of just tuning into yourself and asking, is this person that I'm reaching out to trustworthy? And when you start to do that regularly, you'll, you'll start to sort of reinforce that conversation with your inner self and sort of learn and develop that trust again. For sure. And uh, I see the comment that uh, our audience is saying about trust. And yeah, definitely just trusting in a therapist isn't the only answer. You have to trust yourself that what you're feeling is valid. And that was the biggest thing for me is that I didn't really realize that I didn't feel any value in myself to even trust who I was in that moment because I couldn't pinpoint all the emotions. Instead, I was shoving them down. I was, you know, using food as a, a comfort, but then the bulimia became something because I knew there was an uh, anguish within my gut feeling. And so listening to trusting others was not easy either. So I understand that, Jamie. Uh, but what I did is I kept seeking until I found that person and it wasn't uh, easy road, but I didn't settle for just um, like, even I have to say when I, and that's good that Jamie brought it up. When I started reaching out into a therapist for trauma, when I moved away from my hometown with my best friend uh, and lived with her parents, um, I sought trauma therapy and there was a psychologist that I went to and automatically that psychologist for the first time ever seeing me didn't know any of my history or anything, but started to compartmentalize that all my traumas had to be that I was going to be suffering from some kind of diagnosis, like of multiple personalities or something, just because I had all these compound traumas. And I thought that was very judgmental and very critical. So it did question my trust in uh, professionals because mm -hmm. professionals yeah, can disempower their patients just the same. So I totally agree with that because I then became really closed up and I only talked to the people that I lived with. Well, thank God my best friend's parents, her mom was really supportive and said, okay, we're going to look at other avenues for you. And we understand that because, you know, like you definitely aren't, we, we know you, like, we know you, you have uh, a head on your shoulders. You're just needing to work through the trauma. And this is what I really support in my my work that I do is you don't label people because as soon as you sure I know to get on a disability, maybe there's a component there, but labeling can stigmatize people and it can keep them locked in fear and not certain where their resources are going to come from with that label. And sure, it can help to some degree, but if you don't have the network of support or community behind you, or even have a reputable doctor that knows your history, it can put you in a tailspin of getting help. And uh, it can actually be detrimental to some people that aren't stable mentally or emotionally. And this is the times we're in right now. There's a lot of people that are fragile with uh, their mental health. And I really wanted to start talking about my story for people to see the power in speaking up and getting out there and trusting yourself, but pulling in community support. So when you feel not supported, finding a community that is supportive. Like even on the Facebook, there's there's many ways to reach out for communities that, you know, of trauma survivors or depression um, groups, or like uh, if you're going through a, a marriage separation, there's there's resources out there for that as well. So there's there are communities more so than back in the day when I was only 13, 
uh, I re resorted to the church. And of course, the church can only help you so much. But it's getting on those um, wait lists or getting into a professional that can actually link you to another resource. Like, but just taking no for not taking no for an answer and just keep going. Like, I just kept trudging and finding the resources that I could. If I didn't have one door open, I found another one. But the real, um, I guess the piece that really helped me is I wanted to take care of me first. And I didn't need to answer to anybody else. I needed to learn how to navigate to take care of me. So peeling back the layers of wanting to heal yourself, even aside from reaching out for professionalism, I think was the hugest lesson that I could have learned. Um, because a lot of people go thinking that it's everybody else's fault that they're hurting uh, or they cause the pain on them. But when I took responsibility and I said, okay, this is happening for, for me to get help, to reach out, then I took back my power. But I think that that's the whole myth behind mental illness is people don't realize they have the power. They feel other people took that power away from them. So it's gaining back that power. That is the real, uh, I think, first step. Does that make sense? <laughs> beautiful dog in the background <laughs> yes so um yes 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 so so far we've got self-trust hayden <laughs> of course when i want to talk yes <laughs> um so we have self-trust and we have community support so those are the two things that mm -hmm. um we've really you know teased out so far yeah. and and I love Jamie's next question is does peeling back ever feel like moving backwards? Mm. So go ahead. If, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. Jamie, thank you for, thank you for saying that because yes, te technically, because you're becoming that raw, vulnerable, innocent child. And that's what I had to do. I had to champion that inner child. And by peeling back the layers, it made me see that inner child was very afraid of her own potential, was very afraid to trust, was not feeling safe. I found all the limiting beliefs that that inner child had. And as an older uh, champion or mentor of myself, first and foremost, was the beginning of my journey. And that's why I said taking back the power and empowering myself with resources, not giving my power away to a psychologist that was going to label me or, or compress me into an identity that it didn't resonate with me. And those that knew me enough said, no, Kate, like, or Catherine at the time, I was called Kathy as short form for when I was little said, no, like, don't take that. Don't settle for that. You know that you're better than that. And so that's what I had to do is peel back the layers. Okay. If that's what they saw on the surface, what's really going on here. And it's because that little inner child was feeling stampeded on. And as a child, even though it was my mother, I didn't feel I could voice what I felt. And then when I did to that psychologist for the first time, I was being discredited and devalued. So what I had to do is go back in to my safe zone within myself and with those that I trusted, which were my best friend's parents and her and said like, what, why am I being quickly labeled here? But it's because that inner child uh, was feeling abandoned, was feeling rejected. So I had to peel back the layers to say, okay, where did that core connection happen first? Where can I see in my timeline where I first felt abandoned or rejected or labeled or identified or, you know, not even acknowledged. And so 
peeling back the layers can seem like you're going back in the journey, but really it's a journey. It's not a destination, but be gentle with yourself when you're going on these, these journeys, but having a witness like my best friend and her parents that knew me and valued who I was could really support me. Whereas the psychologist meeting me for the first time had no history of me, no background, but of course being in theory was automatically trained, I guess, to label or compartmentalize people. So that's what I had to do in peeling back the layers is really work with someone I trusted um, but most of all, have that mirror effect uh, for yourself, like journaling and my best friend was my accountability partner. That's also a key thing. Have an accountability partner that sees you from your lowest to even the process of where you're going is also very healing. If that uh, helps make more light on that, Jamie. Um, but yes, definitely peeling back the layers is like I like to call it not like the onion, like it's spiritually termed, but as a rose petal. So a delicate rose eventually does lose its petals, but it's because it's giving like it's um, surrendering to the surroundings. So it loses its oxygen, uses it, uh, loses its life force. So in order to take care of that delicacy of your essence, your innocence of your soul is you need to really nurture it and self foster it and treat it like it's that beautiful, elegant flower within and the lotus flower as those of us that are spiritual know we are that lotus flower but we need to really um harness it and really nurture it and that's not taught like as a child we're nurtured by our parents but for me having lost my family at a young age and even gone through trauma i had to relearn how to nurture myself and that again can't be taught by a therapist it has to be taught by yourself by doing the journaling showing up for yourself you know, having a mere reflection of an accountability partner, your best friend and people that you trust. So I see there's another comment yeah. on here by Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Um, so yeah, if you can touch on abandonment trauma and of mm -hmm. course, you know, a little bit more about childhood. And I just want to say too, that as adults that have been through this type of, you know, these really challenging and, and hurtful experiences, I think, and we've said this again, but just to not give up on yourself, mm -hmm. you know, always keep on looking. So if you come across that practitioner that doesn't resonate, find another one, ask, start yeah. to ask around, you know, say, you know, with kindness, you can say thank you, but, but no, and, mm -hmm. and keep looking and, and maintain that openness and curiosity about what is possible for healing and mm -hmm. and for like all the different ways the light can come into your life and to oh, your definitely. heart and your soul yeah so okay yeah. i definitely agree with that and and i didn't stop there so you know i went back to my doctor and said there's got to be another way another approach so um my doctor and i think um the resources that my best friend had um her family is i went into trauma specialized um therapy with a, a woman who was really well versed in trauma therapy. So I didn't end there. I like kept knocking on doors, kept making the calls because I knew everything was coming up for a reason and why this came up. So, you know, and I'm going to go right into the uh, Chris's uh, comment is I went on a self-love journey. I ended up having to fix a broken nose. And this is what I talk about in my book that I just released with uh, Les Brown is that I didn't love who I looked at in the mirror. So when you're going on the inner child uh, healings and you're peeling back the layers, you have to peel back to where you first had the trauma occur. 
and associate to that um, emotion and find it within yourself to find that forgiveness and self-compassion for yourself. And that's the love journey that I went on because I knew there was more to what my circumstances dictated to me. I knew I had to love myself and getting my nose fixed for the first time because my mother had broken it when I was a child and we didn't get it repaired because she was afraid of having me taken from her. So I went on that self-love journey first and foremost, right after I'd lost her, because I knew in order for me to survive and thrive and love myself, I had to do that because I had to open up into love myself because I was only going to attract unhealthy relationships if I didn't do that. I needed to love me first. So going into parenting, like you said there, Chris, about an only child, um, I was. I, I was an orphan. So being an only child, I knew what it was like to be alone and afraid, but also who do I trust? How do I deal with the abandonment of, you know, my family, but also the church? And even I had family members that were still alive that had walked away, including a judge um, that's no longer here. But he said, well, you've got the church, you're in good hands. And so they just took it as that I was being well taken care of. And that is just where the trauma can resurface if you're feeling abandoned by everybody and uh, like you said, the foster care system being passed from one home to the next. Yeah, it is very turbulent. You do feel like, where is my purpose? Who cares about me? Who loves me? And who really wants the best for me? And that's what I had to realize for myself is I wanted it for me. I knew there was more. I knew there was a reason why I was the only one left surviving after all my family were killed. But you can't uh, let circumstances dictate who you are. And that's what I kept trudging through. It's like, no, I have this potential. I was a Sunday school teacher. I, I gave and I, I worked a lot of jobs as well as went to school. I was just driven. So whereas my other people in my life, I could see that they chose different pathways. But in healing from abandonment trauma, I learned in my profession is that you first have to find the core root of where the first abandonment issue happened. And if it's to your mother or your fraternal roots, that's where you have to first start healing. And that will uh, create doors for you to open for trusting females or males. And that's where I didn't um, really nurture enough as a young girl, because I didn't trust both male and female uh people because both betrayed me in my upbringing. So it was a navigation that I had to, you know, close one door and say enough is enough. I'm going to take back my power. And at 17, trust me, I did by saying, finally, it is time for me. And I needed to not let the church keep doing what they did. So I walked away from that church and I found another community that supported me. And thank God my best friend moved back home and we were able to um, get into a, a supportive network. But I was really hesitant to trust. But it takes that little bit of faith that you know that not all people are the same way. That faith of a mustard seed that you know you're going to find and you keep calling out there. I kept praying fervently that, you know, open doors for me to feel like I am lovable and I can be liked and uh, wow we got Australia here mm -hmm. and yeah so I hope that's helping your listeners um, because with trauma when you feel abandoned and isolated you need to know like you said earlier you're not alone 
you're truly not alone. And by reaching out to resources, if you don't have a trusted friend that you can go on the crisis line, go walk into your um, hosp local hospital. They have a crisis team there that's willing to help you. They can navigate uh, resources for you through the outpatient uh, mental health facility within your hospital. There's so many different avenues now. Like I said, there's that BetterHelp uh, app. There's so many um, good apps too that have um, mindfulness uh, teaching of going within and silencing that mind because it's our mind that gets us really into trouble. And if we can silence it, that was my best, best truth in where I found my inner knowing, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. and listening to that inner God whisper and intuition. Okay, so let's let's just um, go there with, uh, I love that's a beautiful transition. So is it really possible to silence our mind? Yes, and it actually is the best thing that you can do because, and that's what I turned with my healing so you can see that how I've come full circle, that my mother, even though she shut me down as a, like not speaking my truth. That was my best gift now. So your trauma can be your gift. And I'm here to say on the other side, I've got to the bridge of it and I'm on the other side of it now that I use my trauma as my gift because my mother taught me to be quiet, to be still. And in, in that stillness, I was able to pull on that resiliency and that ability to um, be still and know that I'm my best advocate. I'm my best helper. I'm my best champion and hero. And it's my hero's story that I want to profess to the world that I am here because I am my own hero, not because somebody else rescued me, not because somebody else took my power away, not because I was disempowered or abandoned, but because I took back my power and I forgave me for giving up at one point or another saying, oh no, like even when a boyfriend left me on Christmas, which is my roughest time back in the years that, oh, I can't be alone. And I, you know, succumbed to saying, well, maybe I'm not meant to be here. But instead, I went within and said, no, there's a higher purpose for this. There's a knowing within me that I can be something to someone else. My, my message can be somebody else's medicine. I can help people overcome trauma. I can, and that's why I went due diligence into social services because in order to help other people, you have to help yourself first. I had to heal myself first. And that is what I'm here to say to you that sure, it might seem like a tunnel vision that you have to have, but that tunnel is the dark night of the soul only for a short time. It's getting to the light of who you are and fostering that and finding that inner intuition and going within and even 10 minutes, it starts with 10 minutes a day, just quieting the mind and just sitting there. Even if there's emotions coming up, just sit there and breathe. And I say the Ho'oponopono prayer. I don't know if any of your listener, listeners know that, but it's uh, the four phrases. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. I thank you. When I'm really processing things, that's what I'll do is I'll bring my hands to my heart and I'll just put my own energy into my heart. And I just really feel those words because they're affirmations to yourself that no matter if you don't feel love from anybody else around you, or if your life around you has delivered you some really bad cards like mine, that you can say that you are the one that can love yourself. And if you can nurture yourself and foster that in yourself and commend yourself by giving yourself affirmations such as, I love you. I'm so sorry that that happened to you, but I forgive you because it wasn't your fault. 
and I honor you by thanking you because you keep showing up for yourself. Those are so validating. And so, and that's basically what we tell other people, like when we want forgiveness from them or when something happens or when our little children fall down, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, let mommy fix it, you know, or, you know, we're doing that same thing to other children or other people, but why can't we do it for ourselves? And that's what truly we need to do. So, oh, there's someone that wants some guidance. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think also too, while, um, while he's communicating his question, I'd like to also say that um, the Reiki prayer, because I know you're a Reiki master mm -hmm. and, and those Reiki principles are just for today, I will not anger. Just for today, I will not worry. Just for today, I will be grateful for all blessings. Just for today, I will work with honesty and integrity. And just for today, I will be kind to all living things. And, you know, it's it's said a lot in Al-Anon and, and AA and, and the 12-step area where you just take it one day at a time. And I think that's such a powerful tool because that gives us the space mm -hmm. to not obsess about the future or the past because like you said like when our minds get going man it can just take us down a dark dark rabbit hole and 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 keep us in that space of disempowerment and victimization yeah. and so if we can focus on just for today and being present and just allowing yourself to feel all the feelings like creating that whatever it's 10 minutes 15 minutes a day, maybe you split it up into different five minute sections. And just, you know, you can even go to the bathroom at work and just allow yourself that time to breathe, close your eyes, maybe even place your hands on your heart and just be okay with whatever you're feeling. Because even as adults, so much of our day is consumed with trying to, you know, make other people happy or trying to ignore what we're feeling in order to get through the day or, you know, all of these things. And, in order to start really shifting, you have to create space and give yourself permission to just be. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, and just allow yourself to, to just acknowledge be, it. Yeah, too. acknowledge, yeah. acknowledge it to be what it is. But don't look for a fix. Because I, I just listened to something Eckhart Tolle said, that if we're living in fear, we're living in a future instead of in the present moment. And fear really is false um, reality. It really isn't um, what we should be dwelling on because we already went through trauma and we've lived and we've overcome that because we're here today living in this moment. And if we can be grateful for the moment that we're in, more abundance and things that you focus on bring more of it to you. So I like if I focused on like uh, I know Chris was talking about abandonment. If I focused on that, then I would bring more abandonment of my relationships to me. So what I did in healing my abandonment is I went under the layer of what abandonment was. And it was anger. It was shame. It was guilt. So I healed those with neuro-linguistic programming, which I'm also certified in. That I went to the core root where it was stuck in my cells, where I felt it. So being still and being in that um, gratitude of even if it's an emotion that's coming up, that it's it's validating you know, it's, it's better 
that you bring it out. Like I tell all my clients too, 72 toxins are released with every tear that you shed. So validating the abandonment, validating the shame and the guilt for what it is and naming it is so freeing because you're claiming it, you're owning it, but you're taking responsibility back that that individual or other people took from you, but you're taking it back and saying, I'm not going to be the victim. I want to be the victor over it and create like I do with my clients a sacred space like a sacred fire and we bring those people energetically around that fire and we do a forgiveness we empty out all that needs to be said that wasn't said and I get my clients to write the love letters of forgiveness to themselves first with their less dominant hand and then to those that have hurt them and then I get them to burn them because ashes to ashes we let go of the memory but we never forget. But at the same time, the healing is allowed to happen on the cellular level and then the energetic level. And then the heart is seven layers deep. So that heart needs to mend. But the only way it does is if it's opened up. And that's why I created the acronym of forgive, which is allowing yourself to feel the feelings to allow the freedom to come in. But if you don't feel the feelings, then you're just blocking and you're shoving them down like I did, became bulimic and workaholic and perfectionist and, you know, uh, really over nurturing everybody else, including, you know, everybody in my field of work, my, my relationships, everybody, but yet I lost myself until that fateful day when the tree fell on my head and made me realize, and I please, I'm not encouraging anybody to have what I went through happen. But at the same time, it brought me to my knees to wake me up to realize that I was so giving to everybody else, I had forgotten about myself. So when you're on a healing journey, whether it be from abandonment or a marriage breakup or something relational that you're going through within your own self that you can't speak your truth or have uh, an inability to communicate your fears or your worries, then you know you need to reach out. But I'm saying in the forgiveness acronym, I opened my heart for myself first. And that's what I did in giving permission. So I didn't retaliate. I didn't project my pain all the time on people. But when you do, that's where it's coming from. It's not those people. They're your messengers that are helping you bring out those emotions. And that's what I look at. My my children's father was my best messenger now. And we're best, better friends. And we were together. It's just because we, we had to go through that journey together. So I look at as him as love. So if uh, Jamie is looking, uh, Ben is wanting that um, encouragement that your partner, look at them with a different light, that they're there, not triggering you on purpose, but they're helping you bring out the emotions that need to heal, that need to be fostered as you are the gift as the G and forgive is that you're the gift to the world and that individual or individuals are just trying to help you do that and the i and forgive is listen to that in, inner intuition listen to that inner guidance that you're being prodded to engage with people that you trust to follow that and to find your value in the v for forgive is really where it's at. So if you're being triggered in relationships or in circumstances with your employment or whatever, there's reasons for that because there's um, a lack of connection to your core root of your emotions that were once triggered or like even abandoned if you were put in foster care, that you didn't know who to trust. You just had to be hopped from one place to the other. So safety is an issue. So your root chakra needs to be grounded. So you need to always be rooting. So I would look up uh, rooting, uh, grounding um, 
meditations because in Reiki, we focus on red, energy of red to bring to our roots so we can root or go sit in front of a tree and just really feel your energy being pulled down with the roots of a tree until you can really embody the rooting of your roots energetically all around Mother Earth because that is where we need to get to when we're healing from trauma is to be rooted and grounded. But when you're not and you're up in your psyche and in your mind, your other chakras are all out of alignment, your energy centers. I don't know if all your listeners are well-versed in Reiki and energy centers, but my beginning of my healing was in my throat chakra because it was so shut down and communication was an issue for me as a child. I really had to work at that. So when I went into social services, I did my healing. I showed up for myself. Sure, I was in a healing beforehand. And I've always had, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I've always had a therapist. And I believe anybody that's in any kind of helping profession needs to have a therapist. I'm here to attest that it's the healthiest thing that you can own to and admit to because you need to bounce off what you're going through to let it go too. So it doesn't come into your relationships. So you really need to honor that as well. And if you're humble enough to honor yourself, to value yourself enough to say, yeah, I need help too. I'm not just the be all and end all for everybody. I have to get help myself. And the E that's why I say in E is empathy, because if you can empathize with other people and hold the space for other people, you need to be fully present for yourself first to be able to do that in any type of healing modalities. And that's why I took on all the different modalities I have over the years is because I really wanted to harness empathy because it's not taught by your parents. Empathy is felt based on what you go through. So trauma survivors are very high empaths. They also become wounded healers because they can relate intuitively, instinctively. Synchronicity and serendipity brings you together on your path for a reason. You emanate the same energy to the world because you can relate to other people. And that's why you'll get people coming to you as messengers to help you along the way it's whether or not you're ready to see it take off the blinders peel back the layers and say okay what else is here maybe it's a mere effect of you and you're just not there yet to see it but don't shoot the messenger honor them and get to the place of gratitude and say okay i honor this person is really like even for you and i to meet like i feel we resonate with each other's path and mission because we're only here to help the next person get over that gap that they're needing to to see the other side of what they're going through because more light workers out there the more light we can bring to the world and help heal like gandhi says be the change you want to see in the world so you know don't let anything hold you back like jamie is saying fear fear is is in the future. That's right. It's not something to be worried about. Because if you're thinking about the future, you're in fear mode, you need to be in the present moment. And that's why then you can quiet the mind. And you can still it to go internally and say, Okay, what is really good for me right now? What do I need for me right now? What would give me peace? And the holidays I know are the toughest time for everybody. There's seasonal effectiveness disorder, there's triggers of socialization. Oh, I'm not going to get along with that person. This There's so many different variables with the holiday season that people have fear around to begin with. But if you still 
that silence within you and say, okay, what's really underneath here is that I haven't forgiven that person for what happened before. And I'm bringing that into this moment. So if you can put it like in a box, visualize it in meditation that you're putting those emotions or that circumstance after you've done your letter writing in a, a box and you're letting it go after you burn the letter and it's gone. Like that message in a bottle, you let it go in the water and you just let it go. It's energetically, you're cutting the cords to that memory and you're letting Letting it not be stagnant on your energetic cord uh, aura and your cords to your energy source, because that's why we get depressed is we're dwelling on circumstances that held us back in our childhood or it's even a day ago or a month ago, and we're not in the present moment. So if we can, you know, like address that, forgive it for what it was and say, okay, I did the best I could with what I had in that moment. Like even with my mother and all the people that took my family, including the last murderer that took my brother, I had to realize he didn't have the resources and it doesn't excuse his behavior. I set boundaries. I'm not going to trust him anymore. But at the same time, I took back my power from everybody that hurt me and said, okay, I'm here for a purpose. If I'm dwelling on those circumstances that hurt me, I'm not going to be the light person that I need to be a forgiveness of love, of, of kindness, of gentleness, of meekness, of empathy to other people, because I'm going to be dwelling too much on the pain and suffering. And then that's going to bring more of it to me. So it's where your focus goes, your intentions go. So that's what you have to really focus on. And I know um, emotions are a season. So if you can look at it as that, right now we're in winter, look at it as a season, do your letter writing more, you might be more of a, a letter writing or a journal writer during the seasons, because we're in hibernation mode, write it, get it out, even talk it into a dictaphone. Uh, your phone even has the recording apps that you can do. But getting it out of yourselves is so healing. Trust me, when I first studied neurolinguistic programming, it was a woman who healed herself of cancer in her ovaries. And she realized that it's because she had internal rage against certain people in her life. And when she correlated that wounding to those people and was able to address it, but once she labeled it first. So that is the process where you need somebody to help you label it and find the, the moment or wounding that happened uh, attached to it, then go through the process of working through it, trauma work or EMDR, cognitive behavior therapy, or like I'm specialized in as well, neuro-linguistic program where you don't have to relive the trauma, you're just getting to the core root of the emotion, you're healing it from that memory cell, and you're letting it go. And that's as it, it's, it's as free as that can be. Does that make sense? Uh, you know, like it's, it's yeah. free when you can really get to that. I hope that makes sense to your listeners. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I love everything that you're saying. And I personally have been through, um, and as well as traditional therapy, but EMDR, when I, um, was going through that, that was really powerful. And, and I do want to reinforce the concept that you don't have to relive the trauma to heal the trauma. And so there are, there are tools um, like EMDR and, and since you're an NLP expert, can you take us a little bit more through that specifically to give people a better understanding of, of what it yeah. is and what are the tools and how, how will you work with it? Okay. Yeah. Neuro-linguistic programming, I must say for my own healing and a lot of people that I'm gifted to and honor to work with, that has been the most profound for people because 
they get to freedom a lot quicker than they ever thought possible because all you're doing is you're getting into that meditative state and it's a form of hypnosis as well, but it gets you into that meditative quieting state of, of source within yourself. So you're, you're safe within your surroundings. And that's what's so wonderful with uh, the work that we can do now on Zoom is you're in your own safe home environment. And a lot of people that go to therapists, that is the biggest hurdle to overcome is they don't feel safe in the surroundings where they go for therapy. They don't realize this. But I know myself that that was my biggest thing because I was tossed around from church to home to like even probably some of your listeners from foster home. So my environment was my biggest conducive um, avenue that I really had to build a safety around. And that took many sessions in therapy with certain therapists over the years. But now I'm finding people are able to do the neuro-linguistic programming so much more quickly and effortlessly because they're in their own home environment and they're connected to the network of, uh, of the internet. So it creates uh, an automatic safety component. So what you do when you uh, work with uh, someone who's qualified like myself or yourself, whoever is qualified, if you have that rapport with them. And I believe that that's really key. Have a good, safe rapport. So connect with that person. If they res if you resonate with their story or their tools or their modalities or their messaging, purely, if you resonate, there's something there that you need to explore. And that's where I really listen to my intuition and I follow that. So that being said, once you can build that rapport and you can get to that safety within yourself and you can explore that safety with that individual, then you're letting out all the stops and you're trusting yourself to quiet your mind, close your eyes and breathe because it's a lot of breath. So you're feeling the emotions go through you like a wave. They're not reliving the moment, but you're just being present to the emotions and they just come up effortlessly because all wounded people are empaths. They're wounded healers too. They're just learning to awaken it. And it takes a witness, um, those that are qualified to help you nurture this. And I really encourage your listeners, if they feel this guiding and prodding, because usually if you've gone through and that that's what I felt, I was gifted to turn my pain into my purpose. And that's why I went into social services and, and took on all these other modalities, because I wasn't about dwelling on my circumstances. I knew there was more to life. And I wanted to create life, my own children to create a legacy. And, you know, it was all about giving back and rechanneling the energy. So when when you're doing neuro linguistic programming, you're looking at your timeline. So predominantly before birth to age seven, is where the memories all stem from. And yes, before birth, you say, yes, you can even feel trauma in the womb because of other generations. And that might be a big concept for your listeners. We can maybe have me back on another uh, show for that one. But it is so relevant because our generations, our history, our cycles that come before our generations is what we come into this generation to heal. So in essence, we are products of that generation. So in essence, to, to go another layer deeper, we don't instinctfully uh, attract the circumstances to rehappen, but because they happened in our grandparents' generation or our parents' generation, in essence, they're being worked through to heal through us. Does that make sense? And we're here to be that messenger, that light to heal it, to change it. So then our next generation can be healed. So it's whether we take responsibility now. And that's what I chose. I wasn't going to repeat the trauma that I had, even though I had a broken nose, I wasn't going to go and break my children's nose just because to get even with my mother, that wasn't going to solve anything. So I chose consciously, I'm just using that as a an example, 
but I chose consciously to take back my power to empower myself with tools, gifts, and abilities to say, okay, how do I heal this? What do I need to do? And it all surrounded by me forgiving me because my mother was no longer here. So I couldn't go knock on her door and say, mom, I forgive you now. No, I had to intuitively, spiritually, and instinctfully go to that core root of where that trauma stemmed and heal it at its root and say, okay, what do I need to do now to build myself up and restructure myself that I'll be confident. I can believe in myself and I can love who I look at in the mirror now, putting aside that I, I didn't want to have to have surgery, but in essence, thankfully, because it was so badly done to me, I oh have covered it. I didn't go for cosmetology like, you know, the actors and actresses might do. I did it because I needed to heal. And in fact, my my doctor at the time said, wow, yes, I'm definitely going to see if we can get this covered by OHIP because it was done to me. And that's what I'm here to say to all your listeners. Trauma has been done to you. And in NLP, what we do is we empower you to take back your power and to empower yourself that you are the one that can only forgive. You are the one that can heal. You can take responsibility. Those murderers that took my family weren't going to give me power back. They were actually free. They didn't serve time behind bars, but I was in my own shackles of serving behind bars because I was holding myself back from my full potential. So that's why I really speak on resiliency and forgiveness because that is really the key, but it starts with self-compassion and self-love. I don't know what VOT means. I don't either. <laughs> Rebecca. Uh, so yeah, Rebecca made the comment in the chat. Um, if you can um, expand on that a little more. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But um, well, we're coming up to the end of the hour. And I feel like this has been fantastic. And we've barely scratched the surface. So we'll definitely have to uh, do another one of these again soon in the future. Um, so as while we uh, wrap up, tell everyone where they can find you. And I know you have a special offer going right now too. Yes. Yeah, so if anything resonates with you, like with the neuro-linguistic programming, it's a breakthrough process. So it's a process, but you can look on my website, www.sacredrootscoaching.com. So what it is though, it's not uh, a lot of talk therapy. It's getting to the core of the emotions and healing it from your timeline, but you are giving homework assignments. So I, I didn't go into all of that, but if anything resonates with you, you can do a discovery call that's free. Um, so I do offer that or reach out to anybody that has uh, a neuro-linguistic programming. But forgiveness is really where you're going to feel the freedom. And in doing neuro-linguistic programming, that's where I found my freedom, where I healed from a severe concussion and I realized I could look at daylight and sunlight the next day after I did it. So it is so powerful and healing. So if you resonate with that, I do have a forget, which is part of my um, NLP uh, process that I'm giving you for free. I gave it to you as a link. So you can go on that link and you can get the download for free. And it's a, a sheet, uh, NLP sheet, uh, well, three pages of doing a forgiveness letter writing to those that you need to forgive and including yourself. And it walks you through it. And then if you want the next step and you want to work through more, you can reach out. But this is a great tool and uh, it's effortless. Once you can put your focus there and really try to write the letters with your less dominant hand, it's proven psychologically that it balances your right brain and left brain hemispheres. So it honors you as that inner child. Because remember, when we started to write, we didn't write clearly. So writing with that less dominant hand will give you that opportunity to connect to that other side of the brain that's been shut down. 
and rekindle those emotions that need to be healed. So um, yeah, and the uh, books that I've written uh, do give action steps at the end. And in those books, there's many powerful stories of 35 authors that have healed something traumatic in their life. So the action steps, if those books resonate with you, uh, they're also on my website, uh, do and they're only $1.99 right now on Amazon to download and it's no proceeds go towards me. It all goes towards um, the school in Cambodia to be built for underprivileged children. So it's all about giving back and helping those not feel stuck in their, their emotions and know that you're not alone. Reach out. I'm here to honestly say reach out. There is many different tools out there to help you, but feel free that if anything I've said resonates with you and you want more support, I'm here to support you. Um, and anything I can do to talk more, uh, to come back, uh, Dr. May, I would love that too, to help your listeners. I welcome that. Thank you. Okay, so I uh, posted in the chat for those of you that are on the chat, um, the places that you can find Kate and her website and her offer. And then that very last one, it didn't come off as very pretty. It was supposed to be a picture, but that's the link to her book. <laughs> so, yes, and that one's with Les Brown. So that one's really yeah. powerful because uh, Les Brown's also written in it and uh, yeah, just launched. So thank you for sharing that. Yes. Um, so this will be, um, this will live on um, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. I'm also going to post it to Instagram. And then it'll also be on, um, it'll live on my website. And I will put all of these links to all the resources that we talked about too on there. So Kate, if you want to send me um, a list of those mental health yes, um, I will. Um, resources, then I, I can put that on there too. So um, thank you everyone for joining us today. Thank you, Kate, so much. This has been again, so valuable, but I, you know, I feel like there's so much more I have. I wrote down so many notes while you're talking. <laughs> yes, there's so um, much. This is just touching on yeah. the iceberg of it. So yes. yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And uh, we'll keep you posted on when we do this again. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.